So remember the name. Now who you gonna call? Not the GB. Now who you gonna call? G-W-G. If you ever riff with, people wanna bust, break, break out. out. Before you get bum rushed at the Wild Wild West. When I roll into the Wild Wild West. When I stroll into the Who would have thunk the irony of a man named Jim West being right in the middle of the Wild Wild West? It, it is, um, what's that word? Serendipitous? Yeah, right. Um, you could get out your Rad Years bingo card, and which Enchantress just made. I got I got to post on our website and check off the uh, hit and run about Jim Peters and Peter Gruber because I'm not Jim, John Peters. John Peters was the producer on this, and I think this movie just got made so he could have his like robotic multi-leg spider. That's creature. all that movie. I that's all that movie was about. At right. least I, I think so. There was a, a few gadgets. He wanted I mean, it so bad in Superman uh, Lives, and, and Kevin wrote it in, <laughs> and then, obviously that never got made, but uh, we're talking about Kevin Smith, but uh, yeah, he finally got it in this movie, Wild Wild West. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right, this is the only reason it was even, there wasn't it was even made. a lot of good songs to pick from for 1999. Oh yeah, but I mean this, oh 1999, oh I thought we this episode was specifically about steampunk westerns. I mean, I'm if, not prepared for if, 1999. If we had to do a steampunk western show, we can do it. If anyone could. Right off the top of our heads? Sure. Actually, I couldn't. I really don't know shit about steampunk or western. I, I mean, I, are you fully immersed in western culture? <clears throat> um, no. I, I feel like you've been living out your best life online on Red Dead uh, Redemption or whatever that's called. Red Dawn I would, Redemption? I would love to. I was, I was building shit. I was doing manly things using my hands and still keeping all ten of my digits so far. Did so. you make bear stew yet? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, binging with Babish on YouTube did a a, a bear stew ba- based on the game recipe. Hmm. No, I haven't. I haven't played since like two days after it came out. Uh, is that killing you? It's absolutely killing me. I went on to play Spider-Man uh, last night, and uh, there was an... Eight- As you live vicariously through your dream of floating through a city. Well, floating, yes, but there was an 8-gig up- update, so I went to my Nintendo Classic Mini instead and played Mario 2. I was still floating, but I was floating as the princess. Oh, uh, the... Yeah, that's you. That's You live You live vicariously through... That's my... Every boy vision. should. Yeah. Uh, Enchantress tried to argue with me that Toad was the best character in Mario 2. Mm-mm. She's wrong. It's the with all due respect, I'm sorry, ma'am. No. It's princess. princess. Uh, if you, the opportunity arises to wear a dress, you wear a dress. <laughs> if you can float through shit, I wear a dress. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, it's one well, game. yeah, I mean, it's... Luigi's the absolute worst character in that. Yeah. I. What's the benefit of Toad? 
He's fast. Is he fast? That's right. He is faster. Yeah. Luigi, like you get that little floaty kind of run in midair. Kind he, of thing. he has the high jump in Luigi. The high jump, yeah. But I always felt like it was harder to control. Yeah. I'd I'd rather be able to kind of hesitate and pause time with the princess and then you know float. Yeah. You know, distances clear those gaps. But like to be able to like just hop and like hover above an enemy while they do their thing until you can find yourself a, a nice rutabaga or some shit to throw. <laughs> Pumpkin. That game, uh, in that game, Princess's floating ability is make or break. Uh, but that came out roughly ten years, maybe eleven, prior to what we're talking about today. And that Ooh, is what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about the Steampunk year Western where this shitty movie came out. I'm sorry if you like it, but it's a piece of shit. Uh, 1999. They marketed the shit out of it. Yeah, and I mean this is this is what does that tell you? This was off the Willunium uh, album, and yes, 1999 and the years surrounding it were the years where everyone kind of forced the word millennium or the number 2000 into anything they put out or the word will or the name will smith or the name will smith yeah but at least in 2000 we got those badass glasses that actually made sense what the new year's ones yeah yeah they look they look normal yeah now like with the we're in the the aught the 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 new aughts uh yeah it's kind of shoehorned that so it's like two zero and then like a one and then the zero is fine, but yeah, it looked like glasses. He looked Last like Elton John. The eight kind of worked too. Uh, listen, I would, I would pay money for that Donald Duck costume that he wore. I'd wear that out. I I'd pay money for you to wear it. Right, I'd wear that. Like, I would wear that to do the YouTube content that we have not produced. <laughs> There's so it would many be people huge. excited for. I don't know why they're excited. It's a tax write-off. Yeah, it probably cost me a couple million and maybe ten years in prison from stealing it from. I'm sure it's. I think it's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as it should be. Only Elton John could pull that off. Good for him. Or the Duck Costume Hall of Fame. Duck Costume Hall of Fame. Um, when what you? I'm sure you have your obligatory list for us. I absolutely have my obligatory list. Let's hear it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, this is a long one. A lot going on. Alright, so it's the year 1999. Except in Ethiopia, where it's 1991. And also, it's uh, 88 in Taiwan. What do you... Uh, it is the International Year of Older Persons. Could you explain what the hell you're talking about? I don't know. It's the UN. They, it's like, hey, everyone's getting old, so it's the International Year of Older Persons. No, I mean, and I, that, what, what you're saying it was this, a year. Oh, that's the just using their calendars. Yeah, but everyone celebrated the millennium, right? Yeah, every everyone uses, you know, the Gregorian the Gregorian yeah. calendar. Yeah, but they they have like small informal celebrations for their. Uh, historic calendars. Or vice versa. Or we're just so full of ourselves that we think everyone does what we do. Well, business happens to the Gregorian calendar. Yes. So. Yeah. But no, but according to their, like, either, you know, uh, social or even some governmental calendars, but they still, you know, have to deal with RBS. Uh, yeah, it was 1991 in Ethiopia, which I just found weird. Like, it's, I get, like, 88, 
for like Taiwan going off of the uh, that means it would be public China calendar. It's like, hey, it's been eighty eight years since you know we've been oppressed by China. Um, but like nineteen ninety one is so specific. Like, or it just they just got never mind. That would mean it would be yeah right. That would mean it would be two thousand ten here. Something it's like two thousand ten right now in Ethiopia. They're yeah they're eight years behind us. Yeah, it's not. I don't. Or it's like Jesus. It took like eight years until they found out that uh, Jesus was born, and they're like, oh, let's start the calendar. I don't want to go back to two thousand ten. I'm fine with staying in eighteen. Yeah, go back eight no, years. Things are advancing. What would I tell Technology you? Technology is Ryan? advancing. We have a podcast. In I, I wouldn't have fit. Well, we had a podcast in 2010, but let's not talk about that. No, we we weren't there yet. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we were. Fuck. Yeah, I think we were, buddy. Oh my god. Yeah, god, we're that was old. That was that long ago. Uh huh. You deleted all that, right? The podcast. Yeah, the web show yeah. still lives on. Yeah. Don't let anyone know that we ever did that. Um, I'm proud of it. Oh, uh, a birthday. Happy birthday to the Euro. Ah, the Euro is great. Um, yeah. Enchantress and I on our traversing the European plains, uh, we find that the Euro makes it easier. Although in... um, You know the mountains are beautiful there. You should have gone in the mountains. <laughs> we, we were all around the mountains. Squeezing. Okay, well, you specifically said the plains. The Alps were everywhere around us. Oh, uh, yeah. So well, I don't think there really are planes like there are in no, the U.S. The U.S. Really is just vast. You and far between. So uh, we were in the Czech Republic, and they still use the Czech crown, and it was really cheap. <laughs> but the euro, and then of course we went to Munich, and everything's expensive, and using the mm-hmm. euro. But yeah, the uh, I, I've, I've handled many and spent many a euro in the last two years. Ah, maybe only, one day. Only a handful of countries over there don't use the euro i believe great britain uh mm-hmm. i know obviously czech and there's some places in czech that will take a euro but no one takes a fucking dollar over there they don't like you know how you say like the almighty dollar is worth well, more than does anything. anyone anyone take dollars over here <laughs> it's a good Are question i handed you cash one time and you looked at me cross-eyed like right what yeah what is this what is it? Well, I, you... I, I don't like to be traced, Ryan, despite the fact that there's numbers on all of them. Yeah. Uh, you got unmarked bills, whatever. What does that mean? That just means you, like cops will mark a bill with like a marker to know that, that it was just like our Batman tried to do in the Dark Knight with the radiation marking. Is that it? I thought it was like more serial number based. No. I don't know. I just hear people say, I'm like, oh, that makes sense because it's in a movie. And... I think... I. Olive with one eye is downstairs destroying something. I... Oh no, she's go? in the fucking bathtub fighting with the loofah. <laughs> Who's winning? Hold on, I'm gonna go right now. Squeezer, entertain him. I'm gonna go take a, a fucking Instagram video. Okay. For our, our... I I will proceed with my list then, and I will come back to you uh, if there's anything uh, worth uh, you debating me. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, so it's the International Year of Older Persons. I don't know what that means. Uh, we got the Euro. Oh, the Mars Polar Lander was launched and crashed 11 months later. Very sad. Uh, Pluto was still a planet. Bill Clinton was still the president. Uh, we got the Melissa virus. That's when you know, the Internet's like all of a sudden becoming a thing now in 1999. 
Bill Gates is the richest man in the world. Uh, let's see. I can't read my own handwriting. Oh. oh. The Last Supper returned on display. I didn't know this, and like I took plenty of art classes. Uh, I took one in college, and I... The, here's the thing. When you like turn the lights out at 9 o'clock in the morning on like a Thursday... Like, I'm going to fall asleep. So, don't hold that against me. Uh, we got some birthdays. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 22 years is being restored. So, like, my entire life, pretty much... Or, no, even before then. Like, at that point, my entire life. The... Hang on, I'm doing math. Yeah, I'm sure it makes sense. Uh, that whole thing was, like, being restored and cleaned up and put back on display at that point. Like, well, yeah, that would have been 99. Hang on. We're going to do math together, folks. So it's 19 years from 80, right? So I was 17. So it's two years more. And another two years. So 78. Wow. That's impressive. I just did that in my head. Uh, happy birthday to Napster. Uh, happy birthday to a Harley Quinn Smith. Uh, Kevin Smith's daughter. She was, this is, here's the thing with the birthday things. So, like, you know, I start scrolling through, and I look, I go through all the lists of all the people, and I pick out the ones that actually make sense to this kind of show. And then I realize, like, in 1999, I don't know anybody. And I realize, oh, they're all 19 years old now, and all these celebrities that, like, have podcasts and internet things and shit like that, and I don't use the internet, I'm old. <laughs> so, I really have no clue who any of these people are. What are you talking that, about? Uh, birthdays. Oh. Hey, welcome back. Oh, I said a happy birthday to Napster and Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, I know both of those. Yes, and that was it. Like I was saying, all the other names, I have no clue. All these people now, they're 19 and are millionaires on the internet doing podcasts and YouTube shit, and, but I have no idea who they are. Oh, and also, it seems that the only people that update Wikipedia birthday lists are people that like soccer, because it's a thousand footballers. On that list, and I just don't know who the hell you are. I don't. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Bryce Harper was born in. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Olive was misbehaving. I if if you check the Radier story, uh, in the, within the next 24 hours, uh, it's 12 a.m. now, on Friday morning. When did e that happen? Eastern Eastern time. Oh, because my internet is also like 1999. That's why it's midnight. Yes, and uh, so if you, <laughs> you check. If you check your uh, our, our our story on on Instagram, you could see she was misbehaving in the bathtub. She's back in there now. Adorable. Oh, one more birthday. Uh, Armand Mondo Duplantis. Happy birthday that? to him. He is a Swedish pole vaulter. I needed <laughs> to pick one more from the list just to fill it out. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna go first and talk about my. Whoa, first. whoa, 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 whoa! What? You really thought you were gone that long? Oh, I spent a lot of time writing stuff down. For fuck's sake, do you have more of your list? Oh, fuck yeah, I'm a quarter of the way through this damn thing. Oh. I'll hurry up. Well, I was while you were gone, I was actually doing math in my head. Listen back to the show and you'll see. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that says because I read it. Oh, Exxon and Mobile became Exxon Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Tori Murden, the first woman to cross the Atlantic in a rowboat. It took 81 days. Uh, that sounds like it would suck. Oh, a lot of a lot of people died in 1999. It was sad. So we lost Gene Siskel. Uh, we also lost Stanley Kubrick, 
who also released Eyes Wide Shut that same year. It's fucked up. Uh, Joe DiMaggio, uh, DeForest Kelly, uh, Owen Hart, and uh, the original run of The Incredible Hulk. The saddest one of that is Owen Hart. I was weird watching that. Oh, yes. That was well, yeah, and that was more tragic than I mean, like well, also Gene Siskel and you know, but still, yeah, you weren't expecting to be tuning I mean, into a scramble pay per view yeah. to listen to I mean, hear what happened and then to find it's out. It's sad when anyone dies, but when you hear how people loved um, Owen Hart and what a good guy he was, and um, what a general like the goof he was to be around, it's sad, mm-hmm. you know. All right. A lot of movies came out in 1999. It's insane how... I mean, a lot of movies come out every year, but big movies, ones that still kind of are in the zeitgeist, if you will, of people that talk about movies. Uh, Sixth Sense, Toy Story, Tarzan, Mummy, American Beauty, which won an Academy Award for uh, Best Creed. Squeezer. What? Toy Story 2. What? You said Toy Story. Oh, Toy Story 2. Toy yes. Story came out in 1995. Yes, I know. We did that show. But we there's did. a two. I just didn't read it. Uh, Varsity B- Blues. <clears throat> October Sky. I like that movie. Office Space. Work of art. Love that. Cruel Intentions. Really hot. Lockstock. Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, Can't understand a word anyone's saying in that movie. No, but it's Guy Ritchie, so I'll watch it. Uh... Baby Geniuses. Uh, so I this movie was on in the hospital, and we had no idea what it was. And I had to Google like the actors that were in it to figure out what it was. It's um, man, Doc Brown needed money. Whew. <laughs> um, oh, the South Park movie, Wild Wild West. Bigger, longer, uncut. Uh, yes, American Pie. Uh, Blair Witch came out. Lake Placid. I remember that was like my birthday party. Did you see? Like, American Beauty. Did you see American? Uh, say American Beauty. I did say American Beauty. Yeah, that was the yeah. better of the Americans. Yeah, well, I I said it won an Academy Award for Best Creep. <laughs> it did, and he is cre- He is weird movie, but I fucking love that movie. Yeah, uh, Mystery Men. Remember that? Oh God, that was so horrible. Yeah. Uh, Iron Giant. Pee Wee was in that, right? I just remember Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo. Yeah, Pee-wee was, was the fart guy. Thirteenth uh, Warrior with oh, Antonio Banderas. We're going to talk about the author of that, the book that I, was based on later. Yeah, uh, Elmo and Grouchland. I've seen that recently enough. I don't think I watched it back then. Oh, uh, Fight Club. Love that movie. Everyone uh, loves that movie. Dogma. Green Mile. Uh, Man on the Moon, and Galaxy Quest. Wait, Man on the Moon was ninety nine. Yeah. Wow. Uh what else we got here? Was, uh, you got the first BlackBerry. Thank you very much. Uh, Hours, the David Bowie album, was the first album available for digital download before physical copies were released in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it was um. It, it was. It's funny, Squeezer, looking back, how the music industry thought that Napster was going to ruin it, mm-hmm. but it just, in my sense, in my opinion, improved it. Yeah. It, well, they realized they could monetize that, and that's basically what 
Apple Music and uh, Spotify are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but the thing, it's like the wheelwright thing and uh, Cooper Smith and like, look, like, oh, yeah, but now people are going to lose jobs making CDs. I'm like, yeah, that, it sucks. But there's other jobs. But there's other jobs. Yeah. And and now, rather than pay your artist, like, a royalty for each CD you sell, you can give them, like, 15 cents to stream their music for eternity. <laughs> so it's even better for you. Now, artists actually are making more money. Now. Yeah. Um, oh, John Stewart made his debut on The Daily Show. So the Daily Show debuted Craig Kilborn. Well, fuck him. the Daily Show was around with Craig Kilborn. Right, but it was garbage. It was the Daily Show. I watched it. I'm not going to lie. I didn't like it at all. Jon Stewart made that show. Oh, yeah. But I didn't know any better. It was 1999. I was an idiot. Uh, Craig, if you're listening, sorry. Uh, Family Guy, we got Nick Gass for a while. Uh, well, Home Improvement and Mad About You ended... Family Feud returned with Louis Anderson. <laughs> uh, we also got The Sopranos, uh, Batman Beyond. The Sopranos came in 98. Uh, my list said 99. Well, I'm, I'm fact-checking you here. Well, no one else is. Oh, yeah. So first, episode aired, first episode aired January 10th, 1999. Look at that. Yeah. Damn, I was going to fucking days. do Sopranos. Because you know what? Have you watched the series Tip Tail? Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite shows probably Yeah, I ever. gained a lot of weight watching that show because every time I would binge it, I would order myself a Stromboli the size of my desk. <laughs> From uh, that place in Goodstown? No, no. Uh, the place in the, uh, you know, where the Kmart on Tillman there? Yeah. That Sal's Pizza? Yeah. Huge-ass Strombolis. Really? Good Strombolis. Huh. And I would get one, and I would just sit there on my bed with the box in my lap and just watch Sopranos and be like, oh, I'm Italian. <laughs> I assume that's what they do. Bobby DeVooby. Uh My brother-in-law is Italian, so it's okay. Not racist. Hashtag. Um, no one else. I hope oh, no one else PJ's? is fact-checking us. What's that? I'm assuming you're raised. I'm sorry I, I doubted you, but you're like, you're the only one fact-checking me. I hope no one's fact-checking <laughs> us, because I don't know if I'm right on everything I say. You just got me worried, Squeezer. Uh, if, if you do fact check RK, you can email him at <laughs> rk at radyears.com. Uh, oh, the Broncos won the Super Bowl with MVP and uh, soon to be retired at the end of the season, John Elway. Who still met, owns the team, right? Uh, I think so. Very poorly. Mm. Or, uh, man, is, is he GM? Yeah. Something. Something. Uh, almost there, folks. Uh, oh, I, I had to put this one in just because I like to say it. Nomar Garcia Parra. Uh, no two bar. grand slams in one game. With uh, He he wasn't with the Dodgers yet, though. He, he was, was with, with Boston. Red Sox, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, was three home, it was three home runs in the game, but two of them were grand slams. His brother was uh, in the Phillies minor league organization. Hmm. We covered him with our job. Remember that? Uh, Lance Armstrong won his first of seven Tour de France's for uh, the time being. No, he didn't. Well, of the time being. Yeah. Look, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You have to go down 30 spots to find someone clean. You won. <laughs> you won, yeah. Um, and it's, look, it's a thing that I would argue, 
if that's what you want to do, do it. It's not a contact sport. Even baseball, I don't care because the the just because the guy hitting the ball and taking steroids, they're not going to hit the ball any. You know, they're not going to see it any better. Maybe, maybe it's a psychological thing. But guess what? <laughs> Ask Roger Clemens because the guy throwing the ball is taking this shit too. So yeah, I don't care about any sport in that situation. No, for me, it, 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 the combat sports is my one thing because you're directly inflicting brain damage on people. So well, I feel like if you're getting into that, you should be. Ah, uh, good point. For that. Uh, oh, speaking of, uh, my, my, uh, dream, uh, if I were to, uh, cheat on you, uh, dream husband of the future, Boss Rutten, uh, uh, debuted in the UFC. I don't even know uh, who that is. That time. Uh, he's, he's a dreamboat. Ken Shamrock? Um, Dan to be Severn. Uh, no, Dan to be Severn was retired at this point. That is the now. extent. That's, that's of, how far into the future we are in the rad years. That is the extent of my UFC knowledge. Actually, no, he might he might have been in private at that time. I think no, he got arrested didn't. before What's that? that. I think Dan to be Severn got arrested for bringing all those drugs in. He had like uh, Samoas and uh, uh, steroids. I know this from <laughs> got your bingo cards. Something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> He was arrested, I think, in 97, and WWE severed their contract with him. Like, tons of drugs across the Mexican border. Oh, I could see that. He just hide it in his mustache. <laughs> uh, hit me, baby, one more time in Mambo number five. Were your big hits? Oh, oh, and, and just for some retrospective or uh, some perspective. Yeah, retrospective is what we do in the show. But for perspective... Uh, Blue Monday and Ba Watada were also big hits. Yikes. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Backstreet Boys Millennium was the number one selling album. Uh, and then let's just uh, finish off some video games. We got Super Smash Brothers, EverQuest, WCW, uh, NWO Nitro, uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Siphon Filter, which we talked about, oh, we mentioned uh, would be on that PlayStation bundle. Oh, is awesome it? game. I heard I heard that the early reviews came out from that thing. Mm-hmm. And they say it's like a, a half baked piece of shit. Oh, okay. Like uh, uh like really? there's only one save save state per game. There's no flair in it whatsoever. It seems like uh not just a worth. real basic It's a money grab, they're saying. That's what early reviews are saying. And it and it's Sony? Yeah. <laughs> Olive, please do not swat at the cable we're trying to do a podcast here uncle squeezer does not want to restart this a third time no you don't want me to read through this second time i can if you want me to read through it a second time yeah all of, for all of us uh 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 donkey kong 64 unreal tournament uh and then age of empires 2 which i played the shit out of love that game now i'm gonna letterman the shit out of this paper and it hit me in the eye. <laughs> Paper cut. And we're good to go. All right. So yeah, he used cards. They had some density to him. This was just a piece of paper that just hit me in the face. Uh, Olive. I think I have a paper cut on my cornea. Olive, Uncle Squeezer's got a paper cut. You got to be a good girl. You got to sit here and behave. Yeah, She's you should know Olive with one eye. Olive with one eye. She's so bad. Um, okay, so without further ado, we're going to start the show uh, with my first pick. Listen, the explosive words and sounds of the Star Wars Comtech system. Imagine yourself in the movie. I sense a disturbance in the force. 
with you. You join me. You will be a dead, I promise. You have been well trained. You haven't experienced Star Wars until you've experienced ComTech. Figures come with chips. Readers sold separately. Batteries not included. It's your universe. That commercial got cut off, but you didn't need to hear any of it. So I was working at KB Toy Store. I started in the uh, holiday season of 1998, Squeezer. Ooh. And they kept me on. I was so good. They kept, they offered me a job after the seasonal. Just think, you could have... Well, I, know I was going to say what your future could have been, which would have been um, unemployed, but... Nah, For the time I, being, you could have had a long, nice long run at KB. I, I like to daydream that if I was at KB right now, uh, I would have prevented the Bain Capital takeover. And KB, it, I feel like that was like the thing you need to go back to and tell me to take the job and stop KB from going out of existence. You would do that as an assistant associate regional manager? No, they, they were like talking about fast tracking me because like you didn't get a commission for sales, but they still like would keep track of it. And I had the ability to sell anything to anybody who walked in there. Well, yeah, some suit walked in and go, oh, this is a sleaze ball in the making. Yeah, oh yeah, they definitely... With all due respect. Yeah, of course, they definitely sell. So they'd send me, there were these awards, there were like light bulbs, and they'd have like little like plaque things on them. And they were filled with M&Ms. Ooh. Yeah, and there was, and it, I, they kept sending them to me. And so I had like a whole fucking shitload of these things. Do you still have these? Uh, somewhere, yeah. Are the M&M's still in it? I don't believe so. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like a really uh, big player in the sales for KB. I, and I, <laughs> I, I think I told the story. Sorry, I almost just spit take. I, I believe you and I get it. It's just the way it... It's, ri it's ridiculous. I was in high school. I was a kid. Well, yeah, but you're passionate about it, just I like was. you are here. So you're I, passionate about selling I, toys. You're going to sell toys. Yeah, I knew the toys. Uh, one day, they were like, remember all the impulse candy that KB had? Mm-hmm. Well, our store got a, a notice that we had to get our impulse candy sales up. So I came up with the idea that we had those giant, like, $1 Mega Blow Pops. We had boxes of them. I was like, I bet we could sell one. With every with every sale, and they're like, "How?" I'm like, well, "Let's just say uh, me and this other girl were running the register." And I'm like, Let, "We're just saying we're in a competition." I didn't we didn't lie. We just said we're in a competition. Who can sell more of these? Do you want to buy one for me? I I won. I blew this girl out of the water, but she did sell a lot too. We sold like I think ten cases of blow pops in four days. That's awesome. Yeah, and they were like, "Whatever you guys did, tell us, because we got to make <laughs> this happen." What did they say when you told them what you did? They they were they were like that is genius. They they loved it. Yeah, I'm like I they're like you didn't lie and say it was for charity. I'm like no, I just said I'm in a sales competition with her to sell more. These there was 99 cent blow pop and it was a mega blow pop. You know the big the big it was mm -hmm. bigger than the normal one. And I'm just like there's uh, I'm, I bet I could sell more than her. You want to help me out? I could add it. If not, it's no big deal. But if you want to help me, I I could add it to your bill. And for a dollar, ninety percent of the a lot of the time it was like housewives in there and I probably reminded them of their kid and they were like, yeah, okay. Go ahead, doofus. Add the dollar blow pop on. Or they just wanted a piece of little RK. Maybe. Yeah, I was a cute kid. Big teeth. Uh, <laughs> so, 
one of the biggest things that happened, uh, my first two picks involved KB Toy Store, but my first one was uh, the, the Phantom Menace toys. So in the, in the 90s, Star Wars toys became huge again because they re-released the movies and they had all those, those resurgent toy lines. But it's been, it was, I believe, 16 years since they released a Star Wars movie when Phantom Menace came out in 1999. But um, it, hang on. Oh, more math. All right, eight, hang on. 83 was Return Seven plus nine is 16. Yeah. Whoa. So, Wait, so never mind. Shit. My Da Vinci math was off. Go ahead. So, um, it was it was a big deal, and they thought these toys were going to sell like crazy. We got cases of them, and there was, we had, we all had to sign like this thing saying we wouldn't open them. All of them were like, with penalty, we won't send you. If, if they're apparently, you sign a DNR. It wasn't a DNR, it was just like a thing the managers had to sign saying they wouldn't open them. And they claimed they were sending people in the check the cases that if they were opened in the back even before the the embargo date, like they wouldn't send us any more cases. Uh, so I've told the story before how we we set up a, like a kiosk in the movie theater behind behind the mall, and any everyone just went to Darth Mall. So I was opening cases after cases of cases, selling the Darth Mall, and then we just have all the rest. They didn't like extra pack the figures at all it was like an even number in each thing so like we ran out of darth malls and all these figures and we had all all the rest of them and they had those little chips so if you bought that that com reader the Comtech, yeah which was just like in the movie it was just a woman's razor that they they gimmicked up to look like a, a like a, a reader mm-hmm. and that's a true story it was a woman's razor have you ever saw that yeah no, I, that's the kind of shit that I love. You yeah, know that. They, they gimmicked a woman's razor to look like a little walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. But this was a giant fucking one because we're talking 1999. Electronics still weren't, you know, caught up to what they are, you know, 20 years later. So it was like this big fucking thing and you you would scan. Uh, so they had like a test model in the store and you could take the, the carded figure and scan it and you hear like the one word and... Um, it basically gave away the plot of the movie. I understood that uh, Emperor Palpatine or Senator Palpatine was the emperor at that point, and uh, you know I didn't even see the movie. Uh, then I would see the movie about a hundred times working in the theater. I actually like Phantom Menace. You know, I'll stand yeah. by it. There's honestly, I I fast forward through all the Haley Joel Osment stuff. He's not in it, but <laughs> whatever. You know, everyone knows what the hell I'm talking about. All right. Um. Yeah. Haley Joe Osman would have been good in it. This kid was yeah. fucking horrible. But I still liked it. I mean, fucking Taken's in it. I mean, come on. Yeah. Qui-Gon no, that, that Darth Maul scene. And it's funny that all those Darth Maul figures were selling before the movie. I mean, I was there. I was in line. I was at that show. Like I said before, I came right from my Static X show, which... So, I was cleaning out a little uh little tangent here so I, i've been cleaning out my dad's you know house and going through all his stuff and uh he was a collector of sorts uh and digging in the boxes digging through the dust and i came across uh you know all the old nascar stuff some old like cast iron cars and all the all that shit but i also came across all like the pictures of little old me oh Again, and uh, some binders and stuff, and the class project book 
my like biography in a book kind of th- well biography in a book that sounds like uh we had to do like a picture photo album kind of thing like biography for ourselves right like a scrap a scrapbook that's what they're called okay uh and i started paging through it i'm like this is extremely extremely embarrassing mm-hmm. this is very douchey and i even found the static x the ticket stub from the concert with the caption, best concert ever. Well, yeah. Are you going to send me any of this stuff to put on our Instagram? I will. I will. I will. Yeah, I'll just send it right to you. You can post it. I won't even post it myself. Or we'll post it simultaneously. Look, I was 16. I had zero life experience. Yeah. Um, but, hey, I, I smelled like weed and I was covered in blood and I'm standing in line in some Star Wars. That's a pretty good concert. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, that's a pretty good time. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I will make sure to get you uh, some pics of... I won't even pull... I will just take you pictures of the page uh, rather than even pull them because my, my some of my commentaries are just douchey enough. No, I need um, it. Oh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, yeah. I, I will send you the... Oh, the chills. And uh, I found... Um, can't believe I'm saying I. I don't know if I want to send you this one. I will I'll blur out the faces of all the sad witnesses that were there, including the queen herself, who was so disappointed to be standing next to the king, uh, um, wearing yeah. his crown. Yeah, um, was the home, I found those the prom king, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I I was so cold, so so cold. Looking at those pictures, uh, I can't wait to see. Yeah, I, I I had to get one of those uh, emergency blankets and wrap myself because the do but the douche chills just penetrate to the bone. <laughs> There's nothing that can be done. All right, well we're uh, 40 minutes into the podcast and we only talked about one pick so far, so we're uh, gonna move but, on. But uh, uh, can I finish the Darth Maul figure? What a letdown it was when you see fucking train spotting cut him in half. It's true. He did. He shouldn't have. But he's 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 not, back. But it, yeah, like well, ten spoilers. years, yeah. not even fifteen years later, maybe yeah. more. Yeah. All right. No, you you wanted that. You thought that was gonna be your bad guy. You thought he was gonna wreck shit. I understand. You gotta make room for Darth Vader, but I don't think they these prequels were really well thought out, Squeezer. I know, but it would have been so cool to just see. You know, you you wanted more Darth Maul. You did, but you... shit. When those doors open, when he popped, the, when that music hits, and that the du- duel the, of the, the fates double sided lightsaber debut, which everyone knew because he saw the figure, right? You know, and he was in the trailer. Duel of the and fates was, hit. Was that in the trailer? Yeah. The actual showing of the second blade? Yeah, everyone knew he had a two bladed uh, lightsaber. Oh, that was so awesome. They were selling the fucking two-bladed lightsaber for kids. Oh, yeah, it was great, because in the theater, kids, you're just having lightsaber fights in the aisles. It was great. All right. Yeah, well, that was... There's a lot of movies where you have that hype and energy, but there was something about being in there on opening night. Like, you know, all the Marvel movies, you know, I go on... I try to go on opening night, stuff like that, and even the recent Star Wars. But there was something about Phantom Menace that night it was like a Rocky Horror Picture Show vibe. Yeah, 
And like everyone was just so into it at, at that theater. At that theater, they were probably showing Rocky Horror Picture Show in about ten minutes after you were there. So they absolutely did because they would always run a commercial beforehand too, yeah. and it was always in the newspaper. Every night there was Rocky Horror at that theater. All right, uh, Squeezer, here's your first pick. For years, nothing's been hotter than those cuddly little animals with cute little names. Almonds. I don't have almonds, right? But abruptly this week, the makers of Beanie Babies, Thai Incorporated, announced over the internet that it's over. So is it official? It's official. Shop owner Joe Diamond had to post the news. Beanie Babies are dead. It's over. December 31st. Millennium. No more Beanie Babies. No, no more Quackers the Duck or Pinky the Flamingo. The company says every last one will be retired. That's why I'm here now. Bye. <laughs> the news caused a frenzy in the Beanie world, especially among the adult collectors. Yes, I'm checking right now to see what uh, I'm missing in my collection. What happened was the chat room actually got flooded. Leonard Tannenbaum's Beanie Nation website was overwhelmed with mournful messages like, the end is coming. To them, this is really affecting their life more than most things that you guys have on the news. This, to them, is everything. They're the same avid collectors who've bid the price for Peanut the Elephant up to $5,000. But isn't, isn't that cute? What would you rather have, a car, new car or Peanut the Elephant? <laughs> In truth, the fad was starting to fade. Store owners say Pokemon is the hot toy now. But it's not the same as Beanie Babies. Now, Beanie Babies were unto themselves. So after one final frenzy of buying, collectors will have to go cold turkey. I will survive. <laughs> Without Beanie Babies? Well, it'll be difficult, but I will manage. And by the turn of the century, Beanie Babies will become has-beens. Anthony Mason, CBS News, New York. Good God. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Signing off uh, tonight, that was Anthony from New York talking about Beanie Babies. We'll be back next week when we talk about more garbage. Uh, I I wanted to leave it all the way into the end just so you can hear the pun. Uh, the has beans. I was waiting for it too. Like when I first watched this clip, I'm like 30 seconds and I'm like, oh, this guy's going to have a punny out. I can't wait for the punny out. And then he did not disappoint. I thought it was just an affect in his voice, honestly. No, no, no. It was has beans. No, I, I got you, but I look. Has beans, get it? Like has beans. But they're beanie babies full of pellets, which aren't beans, but still close enough. I really need to load a cricket sound into this. <laughs> As beans. Uh, also, I like the one guy when they interview him, and he's like, yeah, you know, it's over, you know. Millennium. Uh, you know, we go on. Like, m millennium was a sentence. Millennium. Yeah. Um. So... It's he's playing uh, Jeopardy rules. Yes. So they were taken for a loop on this story. They didn't uh, see the uh, the dark underbelly of Ty Incorporated. Cause uh, yeah, sure, Beanie Babies ended in uh, 1999. Sure, they released the end, which was a a bear specifically for you know the the end of Beanie Babies. Sure, they had a poll that you could vote and pay 50 cents to vote in to decide whether or not Be Be Beanie Babies would return or not. And sure, they re-entered production just a couple months later under a different, like, uh, version number with, uh, you know, whatever. Sure, it may have been just a publicity stunt. 
it didn't matter. The writing was on the wall. That kind of this was the end of Beanie Babies. Ty's still around. Ty makes all kinds of you know stuffed shit and stuff like that. Um, but the Beanie Baby fad and that craze, that speculation bubble, the investment bubble in 1999, uh, that was the end of it. It's almost like they sealed their own doom. Like there's still ones out there. They knew the writing was on the wall. There's like a meme. Of the couple the, in divorce court uh, dividing up their beanie babies. Yes. Uh, that that just says everything you need to know about 1999. Yeah. Uh, and the best part is, if we can jump ahead into the future six months to the summer of 2000, when you were selling these uh, beanie babies, and I'll get into the uh, false sense of scarcity that they create. Well, not even false, but the forced sense of scarcity that Ty created, like their entire plan and marketing was to create a number of these dolls and then randomly just cut them off to create a market for it and then sell more and sell more. And people think that they're investing in something that's rare, but it's like no one paid attention to the comic book bubble. Right. Are Beanie Babies worth any money? Holy shit. What? There's a first charity edition rare Thai Beanie Baby on eBay for $92,000. Yes. Well, here's the thing. It's on sale for $92,000. It's only worth $92,000 if someone spends ninety-two. I have a pen right here. I have oh. a... <laughs> someone's, I have a also, th- someone's also selling one for $1,440. Yes. It's the like princess, the princess die, ones. die ones are really expensive. There's that, still that's a couple out is. there that are actually like expensive. Yeah, but that some, people do collect and pay for. Someone's also selling the same one for five hundred dollars, and I don't see any of these with bids on them. No, no. So right now, I right in my hand, uh, it, the official Radiers, uh squeezer pen. I have a little clicky pen. You might hear this throughout the show, uh, from Thai Spice on Ridge Pike in Limerick, PA. And I want $174,000.92 for this pen. Okay. I'm going to put it up for sale. Okay. Where can we it's buy it? It's not worth that. All right. So six hours ago, Squeezer, mm-hmm. uh, today on NBC posted a story. Is your Beanie Baby collection actually worth a lot of money now? <laughs> and apparently not. No. Um... Oh, so I was saying six months later, in like the summer of 2000, so these Beanie Babies, like you had your ones that were worth like a lot of money on that Beanie Baby market, uh-huh. and then even your regular ones would still, when you would buy them for five bucks a pop, you can sell them for 20. Six months later, you could buy them at a flea market for a dollar a piece. Right. Because the market just vanished. Right. People just gave up on it. No one cared. And the only reason something is valuable is if, one, it has to be rare, and two, you have to have more people. It's supply and demand. More people need to want it than exist. No one wanted them anymore, so the demand's gone. And uh, at one point, so in '98, they were making 1.4. They had 1.4 billion dollars in sales. Wow. Yeah. Uh, for a guy that, so he started in, um, 
Uh, where the hell is it? My no, 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 no. I should have read it first before I. Hang on, I'm reading. No notes. Yeah, apparently uh, today's saying that uh, none of these bears that are selling over a hundred dollars are ever gonna sell. Uh, yeah. No one. Uh, all the ones on eBay listed for high money, no one's buying. Honestly. But yeah, uh, but Ty Warner, the guy who created it, he they were and Ty Incorporated, they were just ruthless. They would go after people because there was a lot of uh, counterfeiting, a lot right. of shadiness going on, and they did a lot to protect the product. But at the same time, they were doing a lot of shady stuff to try to, to push the stuff. And eventually, he got busted in when was that? Two thousand We'll go two thousand. Ty Warner, late two thousand. He got busted for tax evasion. Oh. Um. Uh, let's see. Oh, Doctor Rick Weber from General Hospital. Yeah. That's not the actor's name. That's the character's name because they didn't actually have a doctor playing a doctor on General Hospital. He lost over a hundred thousand uh, dollars because he invested his kid's college fund in uh, Beanie Babies. Wow. Um, if only there were, you know, oh, IRA, gold, tech stocks. All right, maybe not in 2000, don't invest in tech stocks. Um, but there was a, a, a survey, a study went out. 64% of Americans owned at least one baby, uh, beanie baby. At uh, one point in time, did you own any? Did you have any Beanie Babies? I had zero. My really? S- yeah, I did not give a fuck about Beanie Babies. I, I had one. My little sister had a bunch. I had I had a beaver, and I just thought it looked cool. Oh, I had none. I, I didn't. and then we used it as a prop in all of our awful videos we shot back when we were in high school. When did these become popular? So they started in ninety. Three and ninety four, and then by like ninety five, they really started blowing up, and then um, it was like yeah, more and more uh, throughout the the mid to late nineties. Um, when did they like hit their huge craze? Uh, it would have been like I would say like ninety eight, even ninety nine. It's fe- it felt like it, it it slowly built and then really peaked. And then started to started to fade quickly. Then, and that's when they thought they were going to make this move. I think the whole thing was they knew that they were going to put these things back in production right away. So Princess Di passed away in nineteen ninety seven. Ninety seven, yeah, and they made a, the English rose doll for her. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I was probably. I don't know. I guess I just didn't give a shit. I don't know why I never had any of these. No. And I didn't have one because they were... I don't even... I, I doubt I even bought this for myself. It was probably like a, a Christmas gift, like in my stocking. Yeah. That's where I'm going to put it. it. It probably makes sense that that was there. But yeah, it was beaver. It was silly. It was fun. There was really nothing special about them compared to other stuffed animals or, you know, hmm. whatever. But... um. Yeah, the, what made them even, like, the value of some of them, they were all about, like, oh, the, well, there was a typo on the tag, or this one had two trademark stamps back-to-back. And the, 
it's like you guys are really creating a false sense of scarcity like you're finding anything to i i get it some things that are uh, like misprints are go go on to be worth something mm-hmm. but just because there's a typo on a on a tag on a sales tag uh, like who puts that on their shelf when and when you come over you're like see that that's uh quackers the duck but uh the the bottom the, the q is actually an o it's whackers that or ockers the duck hmm. so now it's worth more hmm. all right uh here's my next 1999 memory squeezer This is the day you have trained for. The day you have studied for. Utilize your superior skills. Your superior intelligence. Sit down, Rodin. Sarah, baby. Oh, you were one fly. Don't make me hurt you. Learn to defeat your ruthless enemy, Steve of Hackensack. Ryan, you're going to get root. Shut up, quadruped. It's thinking. Remember that tagline? Oh, I do. Remember the nine nine ninety nine commercials? Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was there. I lived it through KB Toy Store, and this thing sold like fucking crazy. We pre-sold mm-hmm. so many goddamn Dreamcasts, and it was easy. I was like, we had one in the store, and I'd be like, check this thing out, man. I'd be like, here, come back, come back behind the register and play it. And this was something they told us not to do, but I did it, and it worked. I mean, come back and play it. And we had um, a couple games where we had the snowboarding game. We had the Sonic game. We had Crazy Taxi. I mean, come back and play it. I'm like, all right, now all you have to do is put $10 down, and that guarantees you have one on $9,999. You come in, it's waiting here for you. We, I think, did, we were like fifth on all the East Coast on pre-sales. Uh, NFL 2K, in my opinion, NBA 2K, Changed the fucking game as far as sports games are concerned. Um, you're still there, right, Squeeze? I'm here. All right. I'm nodding my head. Yeah, so my so I knew a lot about Dreamcast because my buddy Joe in high school, he bought... The, it came out a year earlier in 1998 in Japan. Mm-hmm. So he bought a Japanese one. And Joe would, like, bring it over to my house and we'd play... Uh, House of the Dead and... Um, oh, that was sick. Yeah, House of the Dead 2 it was, and a couple other games on it. Uh, but all my buddies... Crazy Taxi? Crazy Taxi, I don't think was out yet. Oh, okay. It was not in the Japanese release. So we play like a handful of Japanese games. The Dreamcast was freaking awesome. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, I, re- I just remember the sales pitch. We had the 9.99. It came out 9.999 America. And uh, for ten dollars, you could you could uh, uh, reserve one at KB. Like I said, I have them come back. We had like a unit. We had like a tube TV, and we had a unit behind the register for people to see. And that, that I played a lot of that. The best selling game was Sonic Adventure, which I think two point five million sold, which is like a nothing anymore. They sold uh, nine, almost nine and a half a million. Uh, these Dreamcast, and um, I don't know. It was it was really really good system. Uh, it just didn't 
come out at the right time. Yeah. Was it... It, it is strange, like... Because 64 and PlayStation were still going strong. Yeah, uh, but they were, but they were on their, their dying limb. But then PS2 and Xbox came out, and even... Game- shortly thereafter, yeah. Shortly thereafter, and even GameCube. Like, the year later, PlayStation 2 came out. And, mm-hmm. like, how the fuck are you going to... Like, exactly a year later, you get the system that blows... Like, PS2 blew this out of the water. Yeah. And, and as as cool as this was... And I don't want to say this was a novelty. Um, It, it was cool to see, you know, that, that, that step up in graphics. But, like, it's... When I was saying, like, the with the the 64 and and PlayStation like they still were had like uh they were still making games and I'm looking at it from a parent's perspective if if Sega would have released the Dreamcast instead of the Saturn alongside the PS1 mm-hmm. and the Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. we'd be talking about uh, Sega Sega I believe instead of Sony yeah, but I mean the technology just wasn't there yet. It was kind of. They they really wasn't like if you look at the system, like the, it would have been it would have cost more money. Sure. But if they would have if they would have waited like a year or two. But then do do you end up in a TurboGrafx 16 position? I don't think I don't I don't I, I really don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Because I, my thing is, I was, I'm looking at it. I look at it from a parent's perspective. You already have this video game system. You don't need this one yet. Yeah. And it's just like it's almost like this opened the floodgates for kids to bug their parents. Hey, I want this one. I want this one. I want this one. And they say no, 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 no. And then PlayStation comes out. PlayStation Two comes out. And Xbox comes out. There. And you're like, I want this. I want this. I want this. And like. Fine, you can get your system, and now there's competition. Yeah, I'm just making this up as I go. I don't know what it was because at the time we were selling tons of fucking. But if if you look at like the best selling video game on Dreamcast, which was Sonic for two point five million, do you know what the best selling game on PS2 was? PS2 in 1999 in no, 2000 and just in general. Uh hang on, I want to get this right. You know it. And they they sold 155 million PS2s as opposed to 9 million Dreamcast. So See, I was on the fr- I didn't I wasn't I had some weird PlayStation games. So it was I wasn't San Andreas. was Grand oh. Theft Auto. San Andreas. Oh, okay. 17.3 million units sold. Wait, yeah, but San Andreas didn't come out until... It oh, three? Uh, yeah, but it still was the best-selling game on PS2. Oh, okay. See, I was... I was I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like, 2000. Like, right at the start. Sorry. I don't know what was the start, but I'm just saying, like... If you look at the numbers of best selling, like even just units alone, mm-hmm. like fuck, they sold so many more PS2s than they did 
Dreamcast. And I thought Dreamcasts were flying off the shelves. I left right before PS2 came out, so I wasn't there for that release. But 105, I'm sorry, 155 million Dreamcasts to 9.31. I'm sorry, I got to back up. 9.1 million Dreamcasts to 155 million PS2s. Like, that's. Jeez. Yeah. Dreamcast was very niche, but. You know, it was a great system and had some great games. And it brought the 2K sports games, which totally, like, changed the sports game market. Mm-hmm. And Crazy Taxi. Yeah, I'm thinking it was, maybe it's just, like, you said it, it was niche. And since it was first, you had your hardcore gamers that would always keep up on the newest hardware. And they got it. And then by the time people were ready to spend the money, there was competition. Yeah. All right, um... Right, but yeah, it was uh, my buddy had one, and it was I. We would go down and we'd play it in the basement. That's the one that we would drag it upstairs, drag the TV upstairs, and go on the deck on like a nice day, and you know, uh, play. What was the uh, what was the RPG that was on it? Soul Calibur. No, that's a fighting Soul Cal- game. No, Soul Calibur is a fighting game. Yeah, I don't know. I have no clue. Uh. I'll look it up in the meantime. But it was a fun, cute little game. Like, the graphics were so nice. Very colorful. Oh, and there's a fishing game. I remember the fishing game. There was. It came with, like, a little sp- real up spool. They had a lot of accessories. Yeah. It was, like, the Wii before the Wii. Mm-hmm. And the, the Tamagotchi built into the controller. Yeah, the VMU, they called it. But, yeah, there was a lot of uh, cool features. It was the first also, like, online. It, had, it was Microsoft built the operating system that ran on it. It was... Uh, uh, Sega Bass Fishing was the fishing game we're thinking of. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't find the other game we're talking was about. Was it Time Stalkers? No. It wasn't Fantasy Star. Fantasy Star was Sega Genesis, yeah, but... No, yeah. It's... All right, well, we should move on. Okay. Uh, your next pick. Here we go, Squeeze. You just don't hear that kind of fucking pop anymore. That pop. I was going to say, it's my, my favorite. It's like Is an LOD greatest, pop. Greater debut, greater entrance of all time. I know. He was so hot on Nitro with Rufus and um, Jericho is Nitro or was it uh, Monday Night Jericho or whatever it was. See, I wasn't a WCW guy. Like, I would catch it from time to time, so I I knew of him. So you didn't know I who saw him wrestle. Rufus was or anything? Oh, that maybe big, people are going to hate me for it, but yeah, I, I I wasn't I wasn't over there. I wasn't... 
Uh, Ted Turner and I, we our beef goes back, and I'm not about to support his product. Yeah, I get that. So, but Jericho was so over, and WCW. It's all it's a, it was a Jane Fonda thing. We we fought. I called her Hannah J in an earlier podcast. Hmm. She she got guys killed. As to my understanding, correct? Well, a, a lot of people did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he was so over in WCW. I can't believe he was even like let go at that point. Mm-hmm. But you know, he wasn't. He was a cruiserweight, and even though like WCW made the cruiserweight division, Bischoff kind of let that division die on the vine. And uh, yeah. And it's not something e- even now. Like Vince uh, didn't like his smaller guys. He liked his big guys. Look at that big bastard. Yeah. Which now is, is more than anything. Back then, though, it was all about charisma and well, attitude. Um, and I mean, uh, Mr. Irvine, uh, Chris Jericho, if you will, absolutely had it. Well, he and was th- this. He entrance, was so fucking debut. over in WCW. I don't know how that Bischoff ever let him go. But yeah, the the whole countdown and Y two J. That was awesome. I was so pumped. I was I was gonna say, where were you on August 9th, nineteen ninety nine? Because it's one of those like days in wrestling. I remember. No, I, I remember watching him. I was WWF watching the show. So and you, you didn't know that it was gonna happen. Hey, I only knew that Jericho was over in WCW because I was the biggest WCW hater. I was such a WWE. I was such a McMahon mark. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um. But like, so the weeks leading up to it, that countdown clock, like it, it got you, it got you watching every week because you didn't know. And then finally, when it hits, as as The Rock's doing a promo, and who better and then, for Jericho to debut against than the fucking it, Rock? And debut against The Rock, cut a. Th- three to four minute long shoot just basically shitting on the WWF which man that some of the stuff that he said he definitely saw into the future um but the the beauty of it so the countdown goes it goes black for a while I trimmed out some of the fat there uh I should try it myself and then the fireworks pop and the music plays and the video rolls and the Jericho text rolls and the place goes ballistic. They knew they didn't see him. They just saw the name Jericho on the screen and they lost their shit before it's he's revealed on stage. And it just went to show how deep people were in at the time. That's what awesome. I I would bet. And a lot of people thought, and I know Rufus was trying to make a deal. I bet if he would have came out with Rufus, the pop would have been like, even huge and even bigger. Hmm. Rufus was so fucking over, and that whole gimmick that they did in WCW was so over. Like Jericho was just there was no way he wouldn't be over in WWF mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, but so then, so he shoots for like three, four minutes, and then leaves the door open for The Rock to talk, and then The Rock does his thing, just dropping his lines. The, and 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 the classic lines that everyone knows that everyone falls for, and it was just funny to have Jericho fall for him too, being a new guy. Um, and it, but like like and it, it's something you couldn't do now. It was the attitude there. But 
Um, well, it was, was a matter of when, asking where he's from. Like the joke yeah. oh, you're from WCW. It doesn't matter yeah. where you're from. I, I, I didn't get your name. It doesn't matter yeah. what your name is. Uh, but he goes, you have the Y2J plan. Well, the Rock's got the KY jelly plan. Where he's going to lube up his boot, turn it sideways, stick his finger candy. Up. I mean, it, when he just says the KY jelly plan, even like the ten-year-old in the crowd is laughing his ass off at it. Probably shouldn't know what it is, but still, like you're not gonna you're not gonna see that now anymore. But at the same time, Lehigh Valley so, Zone, The Rock, The Rock, uh, Jericho makes his entrance, does his shtick, and then at the end, gets his ass handed to him verbally by The Rock. Well, that, and, that's, and, uh, that's Vince McMahon doing his thing before Hunter can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, hey, hey, pal, but, we're going to have uh, The Rock go over on you. If uh, yep. you don't like it, uh, you go back to uh, Ted Turner. But what a trooper he is, because if you watch Jericho, the look on his face, he sells it. Like, he could have made, like, a, a mean face or a, oh, I'll get you next time, whatever. You know, something. The way he sells it as just a, a child that was scolded. As he stands there, just sad. Like, he, he's not, like, pissed or anything. He's just sad. He stands there like he and just had his entire moment, everything he was looking forward to, just pulled out from underneath him. And that was probably the best acting you've ever seen in WWF because the man was probably standing there with The Rock realizing the paydays he was going to fucking get oh, working yeah. with The Rock. Yeah, and so well, uh, and it led to other feuds. Uh, he, his first big feud actually was with China, really, over the Intercontinental title. Uh, and then he would go on to, uh, and he just got over. Like even as a, even when he was always like a bad guy, I was always a fan. He would get over because he was a good wrestler. He was entertaining. You, you yeah. Know. As well, I mean, we were in the era where heels were over, but sure. But he was over as a heel in WCW. That's one of the probably the reasons Vince brought him in because he was so fucking over. As like an arrogant fucking blonde haired rock star heel. He played mm -hmm. that heel role. So, He's a fucking heel, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Nothing was better than I, I, New Year's. Didn't matter. Impression of Jim Cornette uh, by via Bruce Pritchard. Get out your card. Something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Um. Yeah, Double man. I, New Year's countdown didn't matter. This was the countdown that mattered to me, and I will go back. And this is one of those clips where when I tell you I get lost in uh, in the internet when doing my research. Because somehow it always comes back around to wrestling clips. This is one I play every time, and I'm just f so happy to finally just bring it to the actual show. I was I was listening to Bruce talk about WrestleMania. Fuck, I don't even know what it was, but it was about Rock taking on Sultan. Sultan was Rikishi Fatu, who's technically also from the Lehigh Valley, he's from our mm -hmm. our hometown, but they're cousins. Um, and and at the time they put Rock with. Um, uh, I can't. Bl I can't remember the name of the the woman that they they had come in and uh, Cindy Margolis, I think it was, and she was there. They're having her act like Rock's girlfriend, and Jim Cornette apparently like cut a huge promo on it because he was so pissed. He's like, "You're already fucking banging. You put him with a hot fucking bitch. You're gonna fucking hate him. He's come out with a hot bitch. If fucking baby face doesn't come out with a hot bitch, <laughs> he can't go." Just <laughs> Bruce like, like saying hot bitch. Something about it was so. 
So fucking funny, Jim Cornette. He's a fucking heel. Motherfucker. Like, I, I just go back and watch corny videos on, on Instagram. He'll do, like, an impression of Bruce doing an impression of him. It's very, uh, like, if, if have you listened to any something to wrestle with? No. It's very much me, where his, not that Bruce and I are anything alike, but his impressions are just, like, caricatures mm-hmm. that you can't help but, like, hear now when you talk, you hear that person talk. Like, when you, you know... Do your dad. And the various, how many, how many people, how many people are, when they do impressions of people we know are just doing a bad impression of my bad impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. I tried to, I was talking about this with Enchantress and I, it's what I've been doing. I used, teachers used to complain to my mom uh, and starting in third grade that I would be doing impressions of them and on during recess. Mom's like, is your problem from eight to three, not mine. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Y2J, great pick. Uh, all right, we're about four hours into this. Uh, time for my third pick. Ready for it? Uh, let's proceed. Joel Cedar Rays. Timeline is pure popcorn fun at the movies. It's Braveheart with a 21st century twist. Fasten your seatbelts. This is a breathtaking thrill ride. Timeline. Rated PG-13. Now playing in theaters everywhere. So that's a TV spot from the Timeline movie, which came out in 2003. It was neither a popcorn thrill ride or Braveheart for the 21st century. That movie was a giant piece of fucking shit. It was horrible. It caused Michael Crichton to say that he's never going to let any of his books be optioned for film again. That's how much he fucking hated it. And I agree. It was garbage. Because in 1999, I read Timeline the novel. And I read it five more times since then. Squeezer's yet to finish it once. You've read it four and a half times more than me. I've given you my original uh, paperback copy from 1999, Squeezer. I see it. Um, <laughs> I think it was actually from 2000 because it came out in November 99. This book is so fucking great, and it's Crichton at his absolute best. It's about... Um, so it... it, 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 it combines quantum physics and computing and technology with uh, medieval archaeology and um, history. These uh, uh, medieval archaeologists from uh, Yale are in the Dardone region of France uh, trying to research Castle Guard, which never existed, and Castle La Roque, which actually kind of did exist in in, in the Crichton wa- way that like it's Bun's history with f- fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. And there's this company who, in trying to um, like create like another technology, they stumble upon a wormhole uh, in the quantum realm where they can always go back to the 1300s, the 14th century during the Hundred Years' War. In Castlegarden La Roque. So uh, they figure a way to modernize this, obviously. And they're like, well, we can do very accurate rebuilds for uh, tourism. So they have, like, the students over there. And uh, they're trying to speed things up because they know how it really is. And these guys are being very meticulous. It'd be like if we're on a shoot and I knew what the outcome was going to look like because I traveled in the future. 
And I kept coming back and telling you, but I wasn't telling you what lights or anything we use. I'm like, but you're going to get this and, and you'd be really confused. Almost like we do now. I just don't see it in the future. I just don't care. Yeah. I just want to yeah. get done quick. So uh, one of the people from the company was like, well, what about this one tower here? And like, what do you mean this one tower here? And they go and discover it and they realize it's there. So the professor goes to meet with the company and he goes back. I don't really know if you never really know if he goes back in time or not. They really Crichton deals with it in such a smart way. Um, is it just a different universe? He they he explains time travel in a way that they're like, okay, this could happen. Uh, so his students all go back to save him, and it's like a thriller through the Hundred Years' War period of France. And the movie's just. If you saw the movie and you're like, no, this movie is garbage and histor- historically inaccurate, I can't take it seriously, you're correct 100% in that. But the book that it's based on, he covers all his bases and it's so much fucking fun. Well, yeah, because you know, he had the time and he would dive into the science. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, Richard Donner directed the movie and he had all the time in the world. They made it four years after the fucking book came out. He could have, He could have put a little more time in the fucking so in the beginning scene when they go back in in time and the, a knight like attacks them it's an english knight and he's got a fucking shield with the crest of the holy roman empire but clearly <laughs> they're just like this is a good looking crest they didn't think of any of the historical implication implications uh-huh um the book following timeline was prey which is still I mean, I love Jurassic Park and Lost World. The Prey is the most, like, on-your-toes, thrilling, awesome, amazing book Crichton's ever written. And Timeline is really good, too. So if you haven't read Timeline, I want to do a podcast, Squeezer, where mm-hmm. we just go through from Michael Crichton's first book to his last and talk about them. Okay. So in 30 years when you read all those books... I've read enough of them. Maybe you could just, like, host and just... And then get me yeah, through it. Yeah, I can. I, I, we get, we'll work something out. I've read enough of them. God, I love, I love Crane's book so much. He, he Let's is, see. Let me hang on. Let me just scroll through this real quick. See what I got. I've, I've read almost all everything. So a couple years ago, I told you I was going to be a completionist. So I just finished Dragon Teeth over the summer, um, which is his last posthumous publication. Posthumous, posthumous. Posthumously? Posthumously. I read Micro, I read Pilot Latitudes, Next, State of Fear, Prey, Timeline. I haven't read Airframe yet. Lost World, Disclosure. No, I haven't read Disclosure. Rising Sun, I haven't read. Jurassic Park, Sphere, I read. Congo, I read. Eaters of the Dead, I read, which was the 13th Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great Train Robbery, I read. Terminal Man, I read. Binary, I read. Um, see, I'm missing a lot of these John Lang books. Um, Andromeda Strain, Zero Cool. And case of need, and then the three before that. So there's like maybe seven or eight I haven't read, but I've read. I read Andromeda Strain. Uh, let's see. I read The Great Train Robbery. I saw Thirteenth Warrior. <laughs> I read Congo. I read Sphere. I read Jurassic Park. I read Rising Sun. I read Lost World, and I'm kind of through Timeline. So yeah, there's I got enough there. I can. <laughs> I'll, um, just, I'll just find and watch the movies of the rest. 
don't watch Timeline the movie, please. I have sake. to now. I'm so looking. You it, know I'm going back. Oh, my God. It's and, so wa- And watching it. And Dude, 13th Warrior isn't exactly a work of art. Oh, no. Antonio Banderas. That book is really good. Uh, so so they go back in time, but I wasn't I wasn't like attached to thirteenth the Eaters of the Dead like I was timeline. I, mm-hmm. I, I was fresh. I I read that twice before I saw the movie, so I was I I was very precious with the material. So, so did you see you saw the movie when it came out? I saw it in the theater. You saw it in the theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I left so fucking mad. Um. So when they're first back there, Lord Oliver. Who would have, would have been speaking at least Old English or Octian, or I don't know how to pronounce it, but some version of Latin back then. He comes out, and there's a guy with a Scottish accent, and he's like, I'm Scottish. Like, he wouldn't have bought that at all. And they would have killed him immediately because the English were at war with the Scots. Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 of course, Crichton gets around this in his genius way in the book, and it makes sense. But in the movie... Like, fuck. Like, are you kidding me? And he mimics the accent. And we're talking about an accent that's 600 years after what's taking place on the screen. And you're like... You're you're saying that when people made a movie and didn't put a lot of thought into it? Yeah, but Richard Donner, I expected more from him. Dick Donner. Olive with one eye is here, causing trouble. Hello, Olive with one eye. Um, all right, squeeze. Let's move on. Uh, time for your uh, your. Uh, oh, we skipped one of your picks. We're gonna have to go back. You did. Yeah. All right. Here's your here's your next pick. What the fuck? I know. It hurt my head. Ble- I, I'm the one that had to listen to it over and over again. Uh, excuse me. I had for- to watch the damn you're show. You're forgetting. I, wa- I worked in KB Toy Store when this whole controversy happened. Oi. What controversy? Are, are you talking about the 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 doll is that it, said something weird? Is it controversial weird? to call out a... Uh, what would he even be considered? Uh, no. no. Anthropomorphic... Uh, purple TV bellied coat hanger head and to call it gay? No, it was about, he said something weird. What was it? Offensive. He, it sounded like he said the F word for a derogatory. It was the red one, supposedly said it. Huh? No. You don't remember that? The red not one? Not that part. Suppos- no, I'm talking Tinky Winky. Right, everyone thought he was gay, but apparently the red doll Supposedly said. Oh, that's right. The toy. Yes, I Hold recall on. that. Here now. we go. Here's here's. Is Poe? Mm-hmm. You listening? I'm listening. Ready for this? Are you ready for this? Here it comes. They thought he was saying 
you know, I don't even want to say the word because it's horrible. Oh, yeah. But he's saying fit it, fit it, F-I-D-I-T, fit it, fit it, which um, is faster, Engl- in English, faster, faster. But they thought he was saying something worse. But they don't even say words. No, I know. But that was the controversy around the Teletubbies back then. Yeah. And then well, there was another one. Tinky Winky carried a purse, right? They thought he yes, was Yes, well, uh, according to our, our good friend, uh, Reverend Jerry Falwell. Oh, he's all our good friend. Um, and in, in his publication, the National Liberty Journal, which if you just read that name, you go, oh, it's the National Liberty Journal. Of course this is legitimate. Right. Um, so in, in an article entitled, this was released in uh, January of uh, 99. Uh, Parents alert, Tinky Winky comes out of the closet. <gasps> and in, in this article, he's quoted as saying he is purple, the gay pride color, and his antenna is a uh, triangle, triangle uh, like the gay pride symbol. Uh, also, uh, he is has a boy's voice with a red purse. And I guess people were... He was freaking out and saying that it is now a role model for children. Um, it, it was a gay role model for young children. Um, the producers had the sense, and BBC had the sense to come out and say that um, they are... There is no sexual uh, connotations in their programming for two-year-old children. Right. Now, I remember there was an issue with this, and there were friends, um, I remember parents, they wouldn't even watch their, want their kids watching this because of, like, the baby babble and stuff, and there was controversy saying that it's better for kids to watch, you know, adults have real conversations, and they get more from that. I guess there is some science behind the Teletubbies to begin with, where they came up with the idea that, like, just the bright colors and the interaction and the basic problem solving that they do is good for the kids. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I should be. Um, his, his response was great. If we had homosexuals in it, they wouldn't even know it. But for the record, we don't. Tinky Winky is simply a sweet technological baby with a magic bag. Yes. Uh, I also like the one, because um, then people were also freaking out. The U.S., uh, uh, rep for distribution. Um, he's not gay. He's not straight. He's just a character in a children's series. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it really is. They they really took the Occam's Razor approach. Um, to like, look, this isn't anything. It's not even. It, it's not even. Uh, humanoid. It, it's not. It's. It's a thing. How can it, you can even call it gay? And it's this self-importance of applying human characteristics to things that aren't even human. Uh, at the same time, though, this, this wasn't new because at the time there were uh, actually gay uh, uh, activist groups in Britain that were quite fond of Tinky Winky. Like, they actually made him a, a symbol for themselves. And this is like 96, 97. But it wasn't official, and no one made a big deal out of it. They're just like, oh, this is 
yeah. our thing. We'll Again, go with it. Who and gives a shit about any of this stuff? Egg, egg, and exactly. It, it just became a huge, a huge thing. And but at the same time, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you exactly who uh, who gave a shit about this. Sixteen-year-old uh, boys in high school who found it just silly and hilarious, and that you can make a joke out of. Because all he, all he did was feed us for inappropriate jokes that we would then make. So, you know, thank you, Reverend Falwell, for basically writing our material. I just remember uh, we sold out of that Poe forever, and then we sold out of uh, the Tinky Winkies like crazy. Um, they bo- it, 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 sold, it sold dolls, so... Um, Lala La and Dipsy weren't, uh, weren't yeah, hot. The yellow and orange, the yellow and green one, no one yeah. wanted. Uh, I never, I always thought they were irritating as all hell. Um, Never watched and then, the show. Of course, at the time, it. the internet was coming into its own, and you got really basic artists out there doing just, you know, some great animations and awful stuff with them to entertain ourselves. Yeah. Um, good pick. That was very 1999, the Teletubbies. Oh, very 1999. All right, Squeezer, <laughs> here is my next... Uh, yeah, like two Timmy Tacos and a couple Don't of even think about it, pal. Okay, Kiss uh, your toadstool goodbye, loser! <laughs> With games like Super Mario Brothers now in color, you might actually forget where you are. Game Boy Color. Get into it! So, in late 1998, Nintendo released the Game Boy Color, which Game Boy has always been one of my favorite systems of all time. Mm-hmm. And the Game Boy Color was a game changer... Because in two, and I'm sorry, in 1999, they released Super Mario Brothers Deluxe, which was Super Mario Brothers One, but for the first time ever, you could play this motherfucking game on a Game Boy. This was huge. Did you have this game? Uh, no, I, I played it, but I didn't. I, I didn't. Own I it had this. I so I worked at KB at the time, and I remember it was right after I started. Um, my parents bought. Me from the KB, a Game Boy Color for Christmas. And as soon as this game came out, I remember getting it with my KB discount. It was Super Mario Brothers in, um, on Game Boy. So you could take it anywhere. Like now we think that's kind of ridiculous. You can, if you have the right know how, you could put Super Mario Brothers on any, like your Apple Watch probably. Mm-hmm. But back then, this was a big deal. And, um, 1999, when this came out, uh, I, I was like obsessed with this. Uh, you could, they, it had the full levels and it had like the, the levels that they called Mario Brothers 2 in Japan, but here they thought it was too hard. But the thing was, my sister had the Game Boy um, camera and the printer, mm-hmm. and she got tired of it because it was a gimmick that really didn't last. But the printer was compatible with this game, there was a lot of like cool gimmicks in it. And I'd start like making a lot of the stuff with it. Uh, so it was like, well, like people would put it all over the lockers. Like I'd print out like high scores and stuff. Uh, the Game Boy printer was a really cool accessory to have with this game. There was so much cool stuff to do with it. Um, there was a few. Can I get that for my iPhone now? What's that? Can I make little iPhone printers that I could just like plug in? They do. Just like you did with the Game Boy Color? I think they're like way better, but yeah, uh, Enchantress has one. Wait, Prince, really? Yeah, yeah. Prints tiny little pictures. That's adorable. I know. Oh, I thought I thought of something clever. No. Um, 
so yeah, this was really the Game Boy Color was also like a huge thing. It came out of course in November of 1998, and uh, it was backwards compatible with every Game Boy game that ever came out. So you could buy this, still play your Game Boy games, and then play like I, I know they released uh, Zelda. Um, Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. They re-released that as a DX version, Deluxe. I. That's one of the few games where I bought the same. So did I. I had copy this, of. I, I had the same thing, and uh, I actually got further in the DX version. Obviously, I was a little bit older than I ever did in the regular version. Um, but it was full color palette, and then they started releasing games that were just. Uh, they added a couple extra little levels. They and did. To they it they added a new dungeon that was like fucking game changer. Mm-hmm. So if it was just a black cartridge instead of a gray cartridge, that means it could be played in the Game Boy, but it had like a full color palette on the Game Boy Color. If it was a clear cartridge, it was exclusive to the Game Boy Color. And I, I don't know, this was one of my favorite systems of all time. I really dug into this one. And um, I, uh, I always love the Game Boy, and I always will. And um, Yeah, it, there's something, because y- you did so much... You know, as a kid, going from place to place, whatever. And this is like one of those things that was always with you. So it was always part of your your childhood. And then even when the Game Boy Color came out, yeah, we were in high school. But like, you know, I said it before, we used to just, you take it to school with you. Yeah, I had this in school all the time. And I had it at work. I had it and in college constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was, this like people take for granted that the Switch, they could take wherever they want. I don't know. Back then, it was a way harder to take stuff on the road with you. Now you have Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and anything you want on iTunes in your pocket, on your mm-hmm. phone, wherever you want, or on an iPad or anything. Back in 1999, that really wasn't a thing. What's funny is like you were uncomfortable walking around with a Game Boy Color like in your back pocket, like this big, bulky, clunky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I look next to me, it the Game Boy Color is a little thicker. But it's smaller than but the iPhone 8. Smaller yeah. than my 8 probably weighs less. <laughs> Definitely weighs less without the double A's in it. Yeah. I guarantee Yeah, it. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Without without batteries, it definitely weighs less than, than my phone. Uh, the picture, not maybe not as good. Um, but... I would, if I could get an iPhone with a D-pad on it, I'd take that any day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's um, Super Mario Brothers Deluxe. Super Mario Brothers Deluxe and the Game Boy Color Squeezer. Your fourth pick. Here we go. The answer is out there. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. They're watching you, Neil. You're in danger. Buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. Whoa. The Matrix. Whoa. That Keanu whoa in there. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, At one point, I, I thought I knew what the Matrix was after seeing the Matrix. But then I saw Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, and I had no fucking clue what was going on. Yeah, those sequels fucking suck. Ah, just you made it way too convoluted. First game, it was this movie movie was was perfect the way it was. A standalone, 
tell the story. We don't need to know any more. We know that there is going to be a, a, a battle for the Matrix or whatever. Or, or would this be the end? Is this all you needed was he was going to show people? Right. And that would, just by people seeing this, would open up the Matrix for and whatever would be the case. Wasn't the first movie also a uh, Jesus allegory, too? Uh, very much so, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, the whole... The one dying, then rising from the dead. Yeah, it was, oh, at some point, spot on. And there is a lot of biblical stuff in it, too. Um, a lot of references. The Nebuchadnezzar, uh, you know, the ship is named for a uh, uh, ancient a king that, you know, I think he, he sees Judea. I want to say it was Judea. Oh, man, people are going to be so mad at me. But um, this this movie was revolutionary i mean it, it, it yeah, blew people, my mind people still use uh techniques from this movie in modern filmmaking yeah still do and in in the recent uh follow-up to this movie within like two years there was oh, like 20 plus movies that were just basically shot for shot just ripping it off yeah that especially um, the bullet time bullet stuff. time effect oh my god yeah and and th- what's beautiful about the bullet time and it, it, this uh, part of it is like, you know, like I said, what I love about the movie making, and this is kind of a blend of it, is using the CGI and and the post production to stitch everything together. But all those shots were made with still cameras. Yeah, and they stole a lot of it from uh, anime, Japanese anime. But... Oh yeah, um, uh, Ghost in the Shell was a, a big influence. Um, on them, in fact, they I think they even use that to kind of push and promote it and and sell it to the studios because they they presented this idea to them, and the studios weren't quite sure what to even make of it um because both of what they were describing with the action sequences and and the plot itself, people weren't really sure of uh simulation theory yet there was a uh uh, simulacra and, and and stuff like that. I know I'm saying it wrong, um, but it it was this movie that brought it like to the mainstream, and people like, oh, this is a thing, uh, and to to even to sell it and pitch it. So initially, they they started developing this idea in '94, and they made a uh, what was their first. Big hit that not big hit, but the first movie that they uh what the Wachowskis yeah I think the right before this the assassins uh, it's like a what was it Bound Bound yeah I was gonna say the the banging movie um yeah Simulacra and uh, Simulation was from 1981 yeah that's right but that, that's what they referenced uh. The book a, was a lot in the of it. They made they yeah. made the entire cast read those books, yeah. Um, and really, they wanted everyone to understand. Um, you had to read the script, or even before they even read the script, they had to read these books and like present to the Wachowskis that they uh, understood what was going on here. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I guess Carrie Moss, like she wasn't too, you know big into it she didn't uh quite get it but she picked up on it uh lawrence fishburne was like this is amazing i don't understand how anyone has any problem understanding what's going on here this is brilliant and this movie is never going to be made 
Like he 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 had no faith in the studio or society. He's like, this movie is too smart. You can't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, uh, a guy going back to the very beginning of the show, um, the studio wanted a, a big name, and it was there a bigger name in 1999 uh, than Will Smith? Yeah, he was supposed to be Neo, right? He was supposed to be Neo. And he just didn't get it. He's like, he read the script and like, I don't get this. I figure um, like quite sure. a lot of the shit from some, some whatever that book was from Ecclesiastes, the, the, the Bible book, like you thought, I th- wasn't it was in Will Smith or is that sign? I don't know. Are they religious? I don't know anything about anything. No. <sighs> but, uh, it, it, it changed everything. I mean, I, I don't want to say... I mean, to me, this movie meant a lot. Like, I remember seeing this in theaters. And like, wow, this is... It was... I don't want to say it was my second Jurassic Park. Like, I... I was more... Retro, Jurassic okay. Park was a benchmark for me. So... In everything. You could... Like, it made me realize, like, someone created this. Yeah, oh yeah. But it was for a lot of us. Absolutely. But for me, it was... Um, uh, I was more Fight Club. Fight Club okay. changed my view. You had to lose everything to gain every lose everything to gain anything. Well, Neo died, man. Right. Mm. Well, it was they were very much kind of telling similar like messages, but mm-hmm. the way Fight Club did it, like destroy all the banks so we could all be at the human level. You know, <laughs> I was very much I was very much in the Fight Club, like in that whole. Uh. Message. But and then and then the action sequences, all the kung fu sequences were just awesome because, so they they brought in this uh, legendary uh, kung fu instructor. Um, what was his name? Oh uh, oh oh Yan Wu Ping, and they're like, we want you to do this movie. He's like, uh, no, I really I'm not interested. And they're like, please, please. They're like, all right, I'll do it, but I want this ridiculous sum of money. And they go, okay, here you go. <laughs> and he's like, shit. Um, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want this ridiculous sum of money, and I need to work with all of the main cast, and I need them four months uh, for training and preparation, and I'm going to develop individual martial arts styles for each and every one of them based on their physical abilities. And they go, okay. He's like, all right, I guess I have to do this now. And I think that's also what made the movie. Like each each character has a very specific yeah. uh skill set and it was designed each martial art was designed around the character. And not like the character in the script, but like as the person themselves, like how they moved, their flexibility, like weight, stuff like that. And it really adds to a sense of like uh realism and well, not realism, but it it sold you. Like, just the martial arts that each character uh, performed. Um, it, it, so what I think what made us all, aside from the story not making any sense, but they really went heavy CGI for the follow-up movies, but this movie was really firmly rooted in, in reality with yes. the fight scenes. and a uh, lot up, of the until, sp- up until the very last shot of him flying away. Yeah. Like and and that kind of is, like almost intentional. Like that kind of just blew the doors off it. That like changed everything. 
You know, if he could have flown through the whole movie, it would have been completely different. Yeah, but he was reaching his peak there. I got you. Yeah. Um, and and aside from that, like visually, it was just awesome. Um, the the lobby shootout scene is legendary. And it um, came out right around. DVDs were huge in 1999, so you could see it on its original two to thirty-five to one cinescope mm-hmm. aspect ratio. <laughs> Um, and my favorite part about that is, uh, in, and you, cause you know me, I love this kind of stuff in, in the shot where they, they pan and they show the destruction of the lobby at the end. And then part of the wall just crumbles. Mm-hmm. That wasn't intentional. Hmm. Like that, that column wasn't supposed to crumble, but they, they pan the camera settles. And as the camera just settles on the shot, a little chunk of the wall just falls down from like all like the, the the bullets and the the hmm. squibs and stuff going off, and it just it is an awesome little thing that adds to it, and it was never supposed to happen. Nice. Uh, the one thing that you could take away from this movie, and what made you know black t-shirt squeezer so happy, the soundtrack to this movie, scream nineteen ninety nine, Rage Against the Machine. Could it be any bit? Rage Against the Machine, Marilyn Manson, Propeller Heads. A Spy Break was is fucking an awesome track that you know plays out throughout that uh, the shootout scene there, um, and then just a lot of cool uh, uh, industrial stuff and uh, um, uh, I guess like you look at like between. Uh, Prodigy, uh, Meat Beat Manifesto, hmm. Rob D, all that kind of stuff. And then you also throw in some, like, you know, Deftones in there, some Ramstein. Like, you have angry black t-shirt squeezer, <laughs> and you give me this movie and this soundtrack, of course, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm sold. He's in. He's got your ticket money in his pocket. He's oh, and, too. and there was some massive attack in there too, which I'm always a fan of. Always a fan. All right, um, time to move on to my last pick. Um, we, we're, you're gonna get a two-hour show this week, so you're welcome. I know we're a little late this week, but we're heading we're heading towards two hours. I didn't hear anyone say thank you. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, but here's my last pick. <laughs> Gadgets are turning up everywhere, even at McDonald's. A leg that's really a flashlight, an arm that's really an extendable grabber. Inside every $2.99 hamburger happy meal you buy, your kids get their own gadget based on the real Inspector Gadget from Disney's new movie. Each gadget is its own gizmo. Put them all together and they create one colossal crime fighter. Excuse me, sir, do you have the correct time? Why, yes, then I do. Did somebody say McDonald's? So... In 1999, that piece of shit Matthew Broderick, uh, Inspector Gadget oh, movie. Oh, come on. It wasn't that okay. It was bad. Well, it, it produced one of the most uh, popular and now most expensive to get toys of all time. If you have all, I believe there's eight pieces to this figure. If you had all eight pieces built together, you could fetch a pretty price off of it. Hmm. The Inspector Gadget figure, which which all the toys you got were were its own thing, but it, when you put it together, it created a um, like a one Inspector Gadget. 
there was the Marvec 7 Sparker to- Torso, which did nothing but if you press the head down, it created sparks with gears in the middle. Okay, I was wondering what the torso did and why that was like a standalone toy. Yeah, then there was the the arm grabber, which was like it, it was like a hand that could grab like a pencil or a pretzel. Uh, then there was the second arm, which was a flashlight. It was um, that's useful. Yeah, the arm squirter squirt gun. There was a um, watch belt that was a watch that was actually functional, but was a belt for him. There was the leg circuit signaler flashlight. Uh, there was a leg tool, which was like a leatherman that folded out to a pair of pl- plastic pliers. Oh, I should keep that in my gear bag. Right. There was a chest piece that had a secret communicator noisemaker where you, you press the button. It went over the, the, the torso piece. There was a siren hat then that when you turn the blade, it would go and slow down as the, the blade went slower. And all these together made the Inspector Gadget. Uh, I remember when I was at the mall, there was there used to be a McDonald's in our mall. Uh, I think it's a Forever 21 store now. Uh, yes. But I, someone came in with a piece of the, 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 the toy and was like, do you sell the rest of this? My kid wants it. I'm like, <laughs> no, I believe you have to get like seven, at least seven, maybe more shitty meals before you... Uh, get all the pieces but i know that was like a big a big fight people would go all around to mcdonald's all around different areas trying to complete all eight pieces of this this guy and it's a reason why this is one of the most valuable in 1999 there was a lot 1999 there was a lot of valuable happy meal toys the furbies are worth a lot of money too surprisingly those little furby toys Mm mm-hmm so yeah, the, these uh, Inspector Gadget toys are worth money too. And there were eight parts to it. Eight parts, yeah. Okay, so that's roughly you'd have to consume forty-seven hundred calories to complete your Matthew Broderick action figure. Worth every calorie. Absolutely, and then you would burn that off playing with it because you know you're gonna play hard. Well, I couldn't do a nineteen ninety-nine without something McDonald's and. Um, oh, of course not. Uh, I have some other things I want to talk about, but we'll save them for another 1999 show. Um, but, oh, yeah. well, there's a lot going on. I had a long list. I don't know if you were paying attention. <laughs> um, well, let's, Yeah, there's a lot going on in 1999. Let's get into your... But, but let's... One thing, though. <laughs> let's point out. Matthew Broderick had an action figure. I, I mean, it was... Eight pieces of junk from Happy Meals built together to build one. And once you have it, you have a Matthew Broderick action figure. And it's worth a lot of money if you have it right now. Yeah. I Just think, like those Beanie Babies. No, I think this is actually worth money. <laughs> I'm pretty sure... I'm going to look it up. I'm pretty sure the full thing is... Do you over. think Do you think he get, they get into a fight... Uh, him and uh, Sex and the City lady. And she's like, well, my movie franchise made blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I have my own action figure for McDonald's. And she just sulks away every time. Well, he, he just keeps it in his back pocket. He dealer. actually has one that he just pulls out and shows. He doesn't even say it anymore. He just points at it. And it's like, action figure. He was Ferris Bueller. He was, but he also has a McDonald's action figure based off of his likeness. Okay, so... If you want all eight pieces in the bag, 
Well, Brand- no, because I want to put the damn thing together. You can, but they're still in the bag, all eight pieces. Well, I'm going to pay more for that. Yeah, you're going to have to shell out at least $22. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. I'm going to go get my debit card. But if you want to, if you want to spend, do I, do I pay more to have it pre-assembled for me? No, it's about ten bucks. So um, that's an awful business model. Yeah, BuzzFeed lied when it said this was worth money. Well, it is worth money. It's worth twenty. Twenty dollars is money, right? That's I, that's. I might buy this and assemble them. That's like four Happy Meals. And just put it on my my shelf. When I ever do a YouTube show, but uh, we could we 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 talked enough about this, and it's worthless plastic it's garbage. It's not worthless. Let's move. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, and sometimes it's worth more than that. Sometimes it's, <sighs> it's sweat just the memories, the fond memories of a Matthew Broderick action figure. If, if it's about sweat equity, time put into it, what would you say your next pick is worth? Oh, in 1999, two, well, shit. Counting um, inflation. I'm broke. <laughs> Here we go. Here's your next pick. And remember, respect is everything. What is this from? Oh, oh, this? Yeah. This is what I would hear for hours on end as I'm driving around creating havoc in uh, Rockstar's classic Grand Theft Auto 2. Was it on the original PS1? Uh, it was on the PS1, but I had it on PC. Ah. Um, I I originally played it on the home on the home PC, and then. Um, I really took full advantage of the nighttime uh, and shadows and lighting once I got my badass Dell Inspiron 8200. Uh, and that really, I played I played the shit out of it on this game. Or this game on that machine. Right. Um, the original, like, style of, of GTA, like, everyone sees it now, and it's the, you know, massive cinematic 3d whatever originally it was a top-down drive around get out shoot some people get back in pick up a rocket launcher blow something up drive around create havoc um there were some missions but it it, it felt there's something so simple about this game that makes it so much fun you really could just drive around like a maniac yeah um you could do that in five we play it together quite often uh, we do. What well, we used to. We used to. You should try. It's it's a sandbox. It's just a place for friends that spend all day together staring at a screen and talking to each other on a headset to scare stare at a screen and talk to each other on a headset. Which is fun, yeah. Um, but th- this game holds a special place in my heart. I, I, I love this, and it was, uh, it was fun. It was colorful. Um, it was set in. Where every other game is set in a very specific time, GTA 2 is kind of like this weird, futury noir kind of thing. Um, and like uh, the colors are cool. 
Um, all the vehicles were very, um, you, you had some really cool looking cars. And then the gangs were a lot of fun too. You had, uh, it, it was definitely sillier than, and in some of the, uh, newer incarnations. Cause you have like the rednecks, uh, and they would drive around in like pickup trucks with the Confederate flag on the roof. You had the Harry Krishnas, which were like a cult that were in a, uh, that would drive around in vans with like flowers on them. But like one of the missions was you had to get a butt, hijack a bus, mm-hmm. drive around town with a bus and pick people up. And then once you had a full bus full of people, you would take it to the occult and then sacrifice them to cannibals. Oh. And it was just fun little creative <laughs> missions like that. Um, that really made this game stand out. And the, the driving was, but for me, I would always, I was used to playing with, uh, you know, uh, a pad, you know, cause I was playing on a laptop. Right. Um, and, uh, there were some like basic radio stations and stuff, but most of the time you were just listening to the sound of the engine and sirens and people screaming. Um, you could get your, uh, your, your, uh, your kill frenzy where you can grab like a flamethrower and you have like so much time to burn as many people as you can. Um, but my all time favorite is, there would be a a row of like six Elvis impersonators walking down the street, mm-hmm. and the the challenge is to run them all over at once. And then as you did that, a big graphic popped up, and the voice would say, "Elvis has left the building," and you would get bonus points for that. It it was it was very much an arcade game because a lot of it, moving from uh, stage to stage, was wasn't based on like story mode per se like oh you have to advance this far in the story and you go here it was you got points right you got points for blowing shit up you got points for running people over you got points for raiding the cops and you got some points for you know completing missions right but that was the big point of the game was to go around and get uh, points you know earn points just doing crazy shit and that's how you can get away with you know you know spending time just cre- you would be perfect in it because there it doesn't require much attention attention span at all and there's no downtime you can just go around as long as you can survive you'll just rack up points blowing stuff up that sounds fun yeah oh it's a lot of fun and then there's also uh there is a the gta movie i don't know if you've ever heard of gta the movie no um it was an eight minute short that they created and it was the first and still only uh, live action sequence created uh, for Grand Theft Auto franchise, and they took some of that, edited it down, and you—that's the uh, opening sequence to the game. Nice. Um, where your character at the end of that movie is killed, interestingly enough, and then you go and play the game as that character. Crazy. Uh, I still have my disc. I just don't have any piece of machinery to. Uh, fire it up and play it even my the pc that i built uh back in college which would have been like 2007 couldn't even run it because i needed an oh an older operating system for it to even run uh and i guess it's on steam but i'm on i'm one of those weirdos of a mac so i can't play it uh it kind of saddens me i would like to see uh a more updated version of it something out there that you know put it on uh on like you know, PlayStation Network or put it on an Xbox or just you know, I'm sure it's destined for the iPad. That would be a good place for it. Did you ever play Chinatown Wars? 
Yeah. It's on, it's based on the same engine, I think. What's that noise? I don't know. What is that noise? Do you hear that? Yeah. What is that? That's gotta be you. It sounds like a bad song from 1999, doesn't it? Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, we're we had some technical issues, so we're FaceTiming, so my audio is cutting out. So uh, I just I wanted to, I wanted to hit us with a little blue. <laughs> Because I couldn't not talk about this horrible fucking song. What are you talking about? Oh it's my not god. Horrible. Fucking French people. Um, this is a little outside of my... Uh, uh, I, I like I like Prodigy. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Prodigy too. <laughs> but this was 1999 Squeeze. I had a lot of fun talking about this. This was... And interesting. There was a lot to talk about. I could have went another two hours. We we're way over two hours right now. Are we really? We're about well, two ten. Uh, there's I, plenty I, of rambling to be had. Yeah, but uh, we, this was a fun episode, and uh, uh, I think we could revisit it in another year or two. So I, I th- yeah, we're 1999. It's not going anywhere. No, we're back next week with our hundredth episode, the Mall episode. Ah. Uh, if you have anything to say to Squeezer, obviously, Squeezer at RadioS.com. If you want to complain to me, I'm RK at RadioS.com. If you, the easiest don't way complain, to... Don't complain, just point out all the inconsistencies. Yeah, point out all my inconsistencies. Uh, if you like uh, our show, the easiest way to show it is to uh, rate and review us on wherever you listen to it, iTunes or wherever. And um, come back next week. We'll be back with the mall show, right, Squeeze? Oh, I, we, I will be well prepared. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun episode. But until then, I'm RK. I think I'm going to go and get myself an Orange Julius before we even start it. <sighs> so awesome. Uh, and he's Squeezer. Have a good night. We'll see you next week.